Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. My wife and I were just back from a trip to Japan. We were exhausted, jet lagged, and didn't quite know where we were. So we turned on YouTube, which was all the attention span we had. A news story came up about a submarine called the Titan. While taking tourists down to the wreck of the Titanic, it lost communication with the surface and vanished. Denise said, That's the sub we took last year. And suddenly the phone began to ring. It rang and rang and rang for four days straight. We found ourselves at the center of a worldwide media frenzy. I'd started the day as a schmuck and ended it as a Kardashian. No, wait. The Kardashians get paid for what they do. I wound up as one of those poor jerks who dates a Kardashian, has his life ruined, and then doesn't even get paid for it. On this podcast, we take you on a voyage as weird as our trips to North Korea or the North Pole. This week, we take you inside the Titanic Media Circus. She drags me everywhere, man, sometimes by the hair, man, forgot my underwear, man, this just isn't fair, man, I don't want to go there, man, what am I doing here? Been to Ukraine, Bahrain, Syria, Algeria, North Korea, South Korea, North Pole, South Pole, North Dakota, South Dakota, Spain, and Maine, and Iran, Iraq, Israel, India, Hunan, Wuhan, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, bottom of the Atlantic, Titanic, what a panic, drags me every. If you don't know the story of our submarine adventure, listen to episode 49, Titanic. I'm not going to repeat all that stuff here. That's the reason my podcast is so short and everyone else's is way too long. You'll like episode 49. It's a funny one. It's funnier than this one's gonna be. Our sub dive was so amazing, I wrote it up for the New Yorker. I always wanted to be in the New Yorker and be read by people in doctors' waiting rooms. The New Yorker never replied. The New York Times at least sent me a note saying they had no interest in my story. Well, folks, they were interested now. I'm not sure why, but the first calls we got came from British media. I also don't know how the hell they got my phone number. Every London newspaper and every channel of the BBC interviewed me. The calls started at midnight and ended around 4 a.m. When I woke up the next morning, I learned that the missing sub was not just the news story. It was the number one news story on Earth. The first thing I did was call my mother. Whenever there's a crisis anywhere in the world, she assumes I'm there. She's often right. I left her a voicemail saying, Mom, I am not on the missing sub. I was on that sub, but that was a year ago, and now I am not on the sub. All my mom heard was, Sub, sub, missing sub. My message to reassure her had sent her into complete panic. She returned my call just as I was getting on the subway. I said, I'll talk to you, but I may be cut off because I'm on the subway. Well, I did get cut off right in the middle of the word subway. All she heard was, I may get cut off because I am on the sub. Mom went nuts. But enough of her. This is about me. I gotta take a little break and welcome a new sponsor to the podcast. Someone believes in us and they are Blue Chew. 
Let's talk about sex. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? I do, but man, that was a long time ago. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra. That's also the name of my law firm. But in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Wow. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? Folks, they're all best parts. But it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. My wife will never know. Does it work? Don't think you'll need it? Try it free for a month and see. You're going to love it. They had me at free. Free! I can say it again. Free! Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. Man, they know our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code BUCKET at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code BUCKET to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. I checked my email. Again, I don't know how they got my address, but there were now hundreds of interview requests from all over America. And they didn't just contact me directly. They approached me through my book agent, my movie agent, my lecture agent, and my TV agent. They got to me through my boss at The Simpsons and my brother, the math teacher. They even called my mom, who by now was completely bonkers. I'd achieve worldwide fame by not dying in a submarine. I decided to do one news show. Maybe that would get all the others off my back. I went on CNN. I knew this was serious business. I could not be funny. And funny is what I do. It's my job. It's the only positive quality I have. I'm not some needy comedian like Jerry Lewis. I'm more of a Richard Lewis. I babble Jewishly for a while till something funny comes out. But I was never the class clown. I wrote jokes for the class clown. His name was Kyle Burns and he's now a bartender in Colorado. The hardest interview I'd do that week was a radio show with Joe Piscopo. He's a comedian and I am a comedy writer and it took every fiber of our beings to stay somber. But my CNN interview went fine. I try to be honest, but not too depressing. I explained how dangerous the expedition was and how I was prepared to die at any moment. No one would miss me. This is one of the benefits of being childless. There are many, many benefits to being childless. I said that the Titan was built to go where no other vessels could go. If it were stuck on the bottom of the ocean, no one could reach it. If it were lost, no one would ever find it. The ocean was vast and the sub was tiny. 
Locating it would be like finding a quarter you dropped in Lake Erie. This was not Space Mountain, a ride that seemed dangerous but was really quite safe. This was an experimental craft. It felt safe but was actually quite dangerous. Before we even got on, we signed a lengthy waiver listing a hundred ways we might die from asphyxiation to electrocution. Later, I would watch other experts appear on the news. Scuba divers, naval engineers, I could tell they felt the same way as me. This was going to end in tragedy. But the media weren't interested in any of this. They were selling hope. They were selling hope so they could sell soap. They spent two days obsessing over a knocking sound that maybe came from the submarine. As the news cycle went on, this became a distress call. Then it became Morse code. They also glommed onto the notion that the sub had 96 hours worth of oxygen in it. This was an approximation. It had four days of air. But the news media took it literally. They treated it like a countdown clock. They'd report that there were 18 hours of oxygen left then eight hours, then two. They implied that at 95 hours and 59 minutes, everything would be groovy. But one minute later, still, I felt I'd done my part. I told my story on CNN and thought this would hold them. But when you do one CNN show, every other CNN show wants to talk to you. Plus CNN International and CNN Streaming. There's a lot of friggin' CNNs. And after you talk on one network, the others never stop calling. I did a show with someone called Ashley Banfield on something called News Nation just so she'd stop bothering me. And when I went on, she barely let me get a word in edgewise. I even went on Fox News just so my rich friends could see me. I don't like Fox News. In fact, we spent an entire episode of The Simpsons trashing them. A rumor went around that the network was so incensed that they sued The Simpsons. That's crazy. We were both owned by Rupert Murdoch. It would be like his left pocket suing his right pocket. The truth is, the day after that episode aired, Fox News called us and said, Do it again! I had a very pleasant interview with Neil Cavuto and stole all the food in Fox's snack room. My weirdest appearance was with GBN, the Great Britain Network. I didn't know what they were, but they sounded classy. I signed into their Zoom green room and watched 10 minutes of perfectly straightforward news coverage. Then came their commentator, Peter Christie's. He launched into the most racist attack on Muslims I'd ever heard. Even Alex Jones would go, dang, girl. What had I gotten myself into? It was like agreeing to speak on HLN, thinking it was headline news when it was actually the Hitler Lovers Network. Anyway, Peter Christie's finished spewing his hate-filled tirade, and then he chirped pleasantly, and our next guest is Mike Reese from The Simpsons. He was perfectly kind and articulate. It was probably the nicest interview I had. Go figure. Hi, Mike Reese here, interrupting my own podcast with an ad for my own podcast. If you're new to the show, make sure to listen and subscribe. Or subscribe, but don't listen. We'll have a lot of great new episodes in the coming months. 
We'll remember the Alamo in Texas. We go to prison in Tasmania. We hang off Victoria Falls in Africa. And we hike to Vagina Falls in the Philippines. Yep, that's a place. What am I doing here will also be out in book form soon. So watch for that. Till then... Please dive into the podcast to check out any episodes you've missed. I recommend episodes 42 to 47. Those are fan favorites backed by popular demand. Or just go to episode 46. That's the toilet episode. Everybody loves the toilet episode. Anyway, feel free to skip around. Then stop skipping around. You'll look like an idiot. Walk normal. What am I doing here? Listen and subscribe! Four days after the disappearance of the Titan, they found the wreckage of the sub. It had imploded within two hours of launch. Captain Stockton Rush and his four passengers were vaporized. It took less than a twentieth of a second. There had been no heroics, no frantic distress calls. That rhythmic tapping they heard was just noise. The ocean is full of noise. And the public, who'd been fed a steady diet of hope for four days, now got angry. Why did we spend all that tax money searching for a sub full of billionaires? I wondered, how poor should you be for the Coast Guard to rescue you? Billionaires? No. How about a sub full of millionaires? I'm guessing a sub full of teachers and postal workers would be fine. But what about a submarine full of hobos? Can you be too poor to rescue? The public also wanted someone to blame, and Stockton Rush became their villain. There were stories of recklessness, cost-cutting, deceit. I never saw any of this. Stockton Rush was the most meticulous, detail-oriented man I ever met. He insisted I attend his morning briefings and evening recaps, and Jesus, God, they were boring. He would carefully run through endless checklists. In fact, he handed me his favorite book, The History of Checklists. I promised him I would read it, but I knew I wouldn't in 10,000 lifetimes. His sub was a technological marvel. It was so perfectly pressurized that I went from sea level to two and a half miles deep and back up again, and my ears never popped. If Stockton Rush knew his sub was shoddy, why did he get on it? And why did world-famous submarine pilot P.H. Nargelet go with him? Those of us who'd actually been on the sub defended Rush. We were the very people who could have been killed, but we never blamed him or his company. It's like when someone dies climbing Mount Everest. It's not always the fault of the ropes or the tools or even the Sherpa who brought them there. Sometimes you just have to blame the mountain. The public didn't buy it. The blowback on social media was so vicious that we all gave up. The depths of the ocean didn't scare us as much as the trolls of the internet. One troll even came after this very podcast. For three years, we'd only gotten five-star reviews, but someone named Jess1374 gave us one star. There's no indication he actually listened to the podcast, but in his brief review, he called me trash, an absolute waste of space, and I quote here, a human underwear stain. Ho ho! Well played, Jess1374, if that is your real number. Of course, this wouldn't be a story without some genuine fake news. 
A 19-year-old boy had perished aboard the Titan. Now, even I don't think he should have been allowed on the sub. And the news reported that he didn't even want to go. He was pressured into it by his father. This wasn't just untrue. This was the opposite of truth. The young man, Suleiman Dawood, was not even booked to go on the sub, but he wanted it so badly that his mother gave up her seat for him. Suleiman was a whiz at Rubik's Cube. He could solve it in 12 seconds. His dream was to solve the cube 13,000 feet beneath the sea. Boy, do I get this, kid. I brought paper and pencil along on my submarine trip. My idea was to write jokes from the bottom of the ocean. I only came up with one. Here it is. If I die down here, tell my wife I love her and I blame her for all of this. The press cycle finally moved on and my phone stopped ringing. No one in the press wanted to talk to me, not even Ashley Banfield. Belgian TV didn't even show up for the interview they had arranged. An Indian journalist asked when she could call me. I said 3 p.m. New York time. She said forget it. That was too late for her in India. I later learned that 3 p.m. in New York is 11 p.m. in India. What journalist can't stay up till 11 p.m.? Who did she write for? My weekly reader? A French reporter logged onto our Zoom call much too late and admitted, I don't know how to record the Zoom. Do you understand the Zoom? I do not get the Zoom. That was my last interview. My hundred hours of fame was over. It had been aggravating, exhausting, relentless, and cruel. I miss it so much! What Am I Doing Here was written and performed by Mike Reese and produced by Josh Perillo, with additional voices by Denise Reese. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.